was described by police as Manson-like in its viciousness. Three people brutally murdered and a 10-year-old boy being held in custody. You haven't said a word for 15 years. This summer, Rob Zombie unleashes a unique vision of a legendary tale. Listen, be careful tonight. A lot of nutcases come out on Halloween. Is the boogeyman real? Why are you so obsessed with the boogeyman, Tommy? Halloween night, the boogeyman attacks kids who don't believe. Oh no, Tommy! Boogeyman's gonna get me! I'm gonna cut that mask right off your face. He's come back for his baby sister. To do what? Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Slash. Now, if you're watching this on video, you're seeing a new version of me. Uh, the last movie drove me to drink. This movie is uh, turning me into my darkest self, uh, making me uh, uh, take up smoking as a new hobby. And uh, now I wear dark, ominous 
glasses. Um, I'm, I'm more raw. I'm more violent than ever. I am, uh, I'm a darker uh, version of that young chipper self you knew just a week ago. And I blame Rob Zombie for all of that. But here's the thing. It's all a clever misdirect. Ooh, this cigarette isn't real. I literally bought a prop cigarette on Amazon. Not for today. I I bought it for an old Zoom meeting to play a joke on some former co-workers. And I'm not going to sit here wearing these sunglasses, these totally rad sunglasses the entire film. No, no. Okay. Ooh, I am putting on my regular glasses. Ooh, there I am. I'm back. Uh, Mr. Zombie, you will not turn me into some dark, uh, evil version of myself. You will not uh, make me, uh, remake me into something that I'm not with some large explanation and uh, and things we didn't need and, and, and just gratuitous violence and uncomfortable moments. That is not who I am. And Mr. Zombie, I will not allow you to uh, turn me into that or uh, one of the one of my favorite uh, slasher movies and franchises of all time into what you turned it into, if you don't know already. Today, I am talking about, from 2007, Halloween. Yes, it's the second time this podcast has uh, covered a movie called Halloween. And it is not the last time I'm going to be covering a movie called Halloween. It also won't be the last time that I'll be covering remakes, because they are uh, big in the franchise of horror, the franchises of horror. Uh, But this one, this one... I don't know what to say about this one. Uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, as Tubi calls it. I watched this on Tubi for free. It streams um, completely free with commercials, uh, not censored in any way. I don't think this was the director's cut. I think this was the theatrical cut. But there's no editing as far as like it's not TV version. Uh, There are commercials in it that try to be at you know, moments in between scenes. They do a pretty good job. And I have to say, Tubi's commercials are not um, that intrusive. They come and go pretty quickly, and you're back in the movie. I think this is only the second time I've ever seen this movie. Uh, It was released August 31st, 2007, so not quite a summer movie. A little too early to be a Halloween movie. It's, I don't know if, if August 31st is a good time for movies to be released. I feel like kids are getting back to school. Not that this is a movie for kids, but teenagers are going to want to see it, you'd think. Uh, so I don't know what that says about this movie being released in August. I do know that I saw this movie at the Lawrence Showcase Cinema. It might be one of the last movies I saw in this movie theater. Growing up, my brother and I would always go to the Lawrence. We had one movie theater in the area, Lawrence Showcase Cinema, that showed new movies. 
Then we had the Salem Try in Salem, New Hampshire that had three screens. It would show second-run movies or lower-tier movies that didn't quite make it to showcase. And we had the 495 Cinema in Haverhill that was the same thing, second-run movies. Uh, but I've, see, I've seen movies there. Like I think we saw the 1990 Return of the Living Dead there. I think we saw, but we definitely saw Boys in the Hood there. Uh, what I, and then it became a Chunkies. And if you don't know what a Chunkies is, I think it's only regional, regional in New England. I think it's a cinema pub. I said that right. Uh, not cinnamon pub, a cinema pub where you can see movies. You actually, the, it's not a Chunkies anymore. Now it's a Planet Fitness. You actually sit in old like Cadillac car seats. They could go back. You had tables. There were there was a wait staff that would come, and you could order pub food and beer and wine, or maybe just beer. Uh, and it was like I saw a lot of good movies at Chunkies. That has nothing to do with Halloween at all. I'm just talking about movie theaters in the area. The Lawrence Showcase Cinema had two buildings. The old building, uh, the original building, had like eight screens, I think. And then years later, they bought another building. They built in a big area, four more screens. Uh, that was the quote-unquote newer one. Uh, I mean, I saw such films there as, well, I definitely, you know, Showcase Cinema is where I saw like Return of the Jedi, uh, the Indiana Jones, you know, Indiana Jones, the, the third Indiana Jones, the second Back to the Future, Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters 1. Like all my childhood movie f- memories are at the Showcase Cinema. Uh, why am I thinking that I, my brother and I went to see Wigan and Bernie's too at this exact building at the Showcase Cinema. None of that's important except to say that I believe that Halloween 2007 might have been the last movie that I saw there. The uh, theaters shut down. I think Showcase Cinema is still a thing. I think there's one in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, but the old one through eight, building torn down, completely gone. The move, The theater that I saw this movie in, the building... Still there, still says Showcase Cinema on it. I would love to go inside and see if they still have the arcade version of Lethal Enforcers. I'd love to see if there's any semblance of memory of the last movies played there. Um, now it's just a big empty parking lot that's used from time to time for various things. But long way of saying, um, I saw this in the theater, and I saw this in the theater not only with my brother, not only with our buddy Dave, but we expanded. I had my cousins come in. Uh, they were the, my cousins who love horror. They they went to see this too. They love horror. They love heavy metal. And uh, you, this kind of brings this movie brings those worlds together because uh, this movie was written and directed by Mr. Rob Zombie, who incidentally grew up in Haverhill, the same town that I lived in first when, I, when we first got married, the same town that housed the how, the Chunkies in 495 Cinema. It's now a Planet Fitness. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, but in other words, he was a local boy. Robbie, I, everyone knew the zombies growing up. Robbie Zombie, uh, That's that wasn't his, his name growing up, but obviously. Um, but you don't realize he's a New England boy. Uh, known, obviously, for White Zombie, for his solo career. And he's a very accomplished artist. Like the guy is a creative mind. He he he's a painter. He's an artist. He um, made a lot of horror movies. Uh, some of them I've seen and enjoyed. I remember liking uh, what is it, Ten Thousand House House of a Thousand Corpses. I think I liked uh, the 
Devil's Rejects. That might be it. I don't think I saw any of the other ones. Maybe I will someday. Maybe this podcast will lead me to it. Maybe instead of doing a uh, a franchise, I'll focus on a, a director. And But is it going to be Rob Zombie? I don't know. Uh, and will it end up with me watching The Munsters? I don't know. Yes, the fact that he made a bright, like cartoony version of The Munsters is mind-boggling to me. Uh, and of course, that movie stars... Cherry Moon Zombie, because that's what Rob Zombie does. If there's a movie, his wife's going to be in it. And was she in Halloween? Yes, she was. Um, I was curious about this movie. You know, when I, I remember seeing it, I remember, I think I remember liking it. There were certain things that I was like, ooh, and certain things I was like, oh. And... Then I listened to a podcast recently talking about it and how it's kind of, it it almost just takes, it's almost too, it's like joyless might be the word. And I wasn't sure how I'd feel about this revisiting it for uh, this second time, only the second time in almost 16 years. Um, and for the most part, I thought it's competent filmmaking. The guy can make movies. I didn't love certain dialogue, certain dialogue in this movie. Uh, I did not love the over-explanation of things, giving reasons for things. Part of the mystique of Halloween is there was no given reason. I know even the, the later sequels tried to give this whole reason of this cult and all that shit. No, the original one was there was no reason. There was no family connection. It was just a dude, like, driven. And at the end of the film, he could be anywhere. He could be at your house right now. And, of course, that evolved into the, you know, making a whole uh, mythology behind him. And then this movie, uh, it's, the mythology's made, then it's redone or, or, or kind of half-ignored. Now we're completely starting from scratch. This is as if the Halloween franchise never existed, and now you're getting a new movie called Halloween. But of course, um, we all know this is a remake, not a reboot, but a remake, a restart, uh, kind of a retelling of the movie. It's, it's an hour and 50 minutes long, and for the first half hour, it's like a prequel. It's like... Yeah, it's kind of a prequel right up to the part where he does the killing. Uh, his killing's a little, is more killing. There's more brutal killing. It's bloodier. And uh, there's like reason given to him. Like, oh, this is what drove him. Or this is what, you know, my, having this in his life didn't help him. And I don't know if I loved that. Um, now, audiences seem to love it. It was only a, mi a budget of $15 million, which it's a good-looking movie, you know, and for $15 million, I don't think that's a high budget for a movie. Uh, and it made $80 million at the box office. I mean, that's that's not bad. That's a, that's a fine, fine movie that deserves a sequel, and we get a sequel. And I am 
curiously looking forward to seeing that movie for the first time. Yes, that is the second movie that I've never seen in the Halloween franchise. I think you can guess what the third one is. Uh, we haven't got there yet. But um, I, I am looking forward, to a degree, to seeing Halloween 2 uh, by Rob Zombie next week, talking about that. And that's also available on Tubi. So if you do want to rewatch this movie or watch it for the first time, go to Tubi and uh, watch it. And that is that uh, episode is going to be next week. Uh, but before I get into kind of the movie itself, I like to go through uh, the Wikipedia production page just to kind of get a glimpse of what the hell they were thinking. And uh, what it says is, you know, after the release of Halloween Resurrection, there were various ideas of how to proceed with a ninth installment. Now, that one ended with Michael kind of in, you know, shocked and in flames. And he's he survived flames before, but he was like in all these wires. And uh, but it could have been easily, you know, oh, he walks out, someone pats him down, and then he kills the guy who pats him down, and he walks off. Boom. Easy enough. Um, but they were trying to figure out different ways to do it. One idea was let's team him up. It worked for Freddie and Jason. So after that one worked, uh, they thought maybe let's do a crossover with Hellraiser. Now, in the horror community or the horror fan world, people know Hellraiser. But outside of that, like pe most people will be like, what the hell is Hellraiser? And they might know Pinhead. They might recognize him. Oh, that's Pinhead. What movie's in it? Ah, uh, but they don't know any of these other Cenobites. So... I think that I'm glad they didn't do that. Uh, whereas Freddie and Jason were so in, they were in pop culture. I mean, they were, they had their movies. They had song, like rock songs written about them. They had TV shows based, you know, with the same titles based on these characters. And, uh, you know, it made sense for those characters to have a, you know, a team up. It makes sense. You know what I mean? It, 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 Freddy versus Jason means something when you hear those names. Michael Myers versus Cenobites sounds like he's going to the mall to, you know, eat some pastries. People will not, I don't think people would have uh, flocked to the screens to, to do that, to see that. Uh, there were other ideas. Another idea was called the Halloween Bad Blood, which would have brought back Jamie Lloyd. I would have liked to see them, if they did, bring back Danielle Harris. Uh, that didn't happen, but Danielle Harris returning certainly did happen. We'll get there. Another idea was called Halloween Retribution, and it would have begun with Michael killing Buster Rhymes' character, and it would have involved uh, Laurie Strode's son and Sheriff Lee Brackett. Well, we know Lee Brackett's still alive, the actor, even if they want to bring back the original. Or at least he was alive last I checked. Uh, so that would have been a direct uh, resurrection sequel, and it says here that would have brought and it would have brought back John, which was Laurie Strode's son, John Tate. Uh, what's his name? You know that guy from the the, the movie we just watched, Age Two, Josh Hartnett. Look at that. It took a moment, but we got there. Uh, it says the film would have ended with Tate drowning Michael in a frozen lake, but implying that he would then take his place as a murderous killer. So going forward, Michael 
like the man behind the mask would have been John Tate. That is, that's terrible. Uh, they had Michael, they had Halloween Asylum, had Michael Myers breaking free from death row. Halloween, the missing years would have had a prequel centered around Michael Myers returning to Smith's Grove in the early eighties. And I guess filling the gap between part two and part four. Uh, and it says at the same time as this, Mustafa Card and his son Malik were working on a story revolving around the Dr. Wynn character from Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, there was a development of a, of a direct sequel, but it was halted when, unfortunately, in 2005, I may have mentioned this in the past, Mustafa Card was killed in the Amman hotel bombings while attending a wedding in Jordan. Uh, so after uh, Mustafa was killed, his son Malik took over the producing going forward, uh, and he wanted to take the series in a different direction. Uh, on June 4th, 2006, that's when Dimension announced that Rob Zombie was going to come on and create the next installment in the Halloween franchise. It's funny, it says next installment. This is what Wikipedia is saying. Said he would come in, write, produce, direct, music supervisor, uh, Bob Weinstein approached him about making the film. Zombie, who was a fan of the original Halloween, jumped at the chance to make a Halloween film for Dimension Studios. Uh, he says, before Dimension went public with the news, Zombie felt obligated to inform John Carpenter. And John Carpenter said, make it your own. Uh, now, I have more on the John Carpenter thing, which is pretty interesting, that I looked up. So on June uh, 16th, I guess only 12 days later, uh, Zombie announced that the film would combine the elements of a prequel and a remake with the original concept, uh, but insisted there would be considerable original content in the new film as opposed to a mere rehash material. Yeah, there was original stuff in the, in the film, and um, a lot of it was, was not shot for shot, but like kind of the, um, the destination ended up being the same almost, almost for everything. Um, now, I found an article on wearethepit.com. You ever go on We Are The Pit? The Pit is the name of the website, wearethepit.com, which I think is a heavy metal uh, blog uh, and uh, news site. And this is an article from November 2nd, 2022, written by Michael Pemintel. Uh, it's, it, the actual title is John Carpenter once called Rob Zombie a piece of shit <laughs> over a Halloween feud. And just to give you a quick synopsis, uh, it said um, back in the day, a beef kind of took place between Rob and John when Rob Zombie claimed that John Carpenter was cold towards him uh, when he was making the movie. However, Car Carpenter would end up denying these claims after... Uh, of him being cold towards zombie back in 2016 when asked about these claims uh john carpenter said he lied to me he lied about me he said i was very cold to him when when he told me that he was going to be making halloween nothing could be further from the truth i said make it your own man this is yours now don't worry about me i was incredibly supportive and then he said why that piece of shit lied i don't know he had no reason to <laughs> why did he do it okay that's the one thing. But I was curious of what he thought about it. And he says, I thought he took away the mystique of the story by explaining too much about Michael Myers. I don't care about that. He's supposed to be a force of nature. He's supposed to almost be supernatural. 
and he was too big. It wasn't normal. That's why John Carpenter is a legend and Rob Zombie remade the movie. Uh, it says, for the claim that Rob Zombie made about John Carpenter uh, and what Carpenter called him a piece of shit, uh, it's, it seems like the two have moved on. In 2016, John Carpenter tweeted, to everyone fascinated with the Carpenter-Zombie feud, old news. We spoke Sunday. We buried the hatchet. Let's move on. I don't know if they've, people have moved on, but uh, I'm ready to move on and start talking about this movie. But the things that John Carpenter didn't love about this movie seem to be the same things that I didn't love about this movie explaining kind of the over over explanation of what makes Michael Michael uh, and to me the violence the over the over exploitive violence you know the first Halloween and I don't know if it would have been different if technology uh, and filmmaking and budget were different but it really wasn't that bloody you think about it you know the the judith murder you can barely see stuff the um you don't see a truck driver get killed the girls that get killed you know i think do they both get strangled one gets strangled in the car right and one gets strangled by the telephone call uh dude gets stabbed no blood there like it's a very bloodless movie this movie decided to have all the blood so why don't we start talking about, from 2007, Halloween. Or again, as Tubi has it listed, and I'm probably going to list it in uh, the YouTube video to differentiate it from uh, my original. Rob Zombie's Halloween. Still a dimension film, but it opens with a quote. A quote from Dr. Samuel Loomis, played by Malcolm McDowell. I'm not going to do a Malcolm McDowell uh, impression, even though I might. The darkest souls are not those which choose to exist within the hell of the abyss, but those which choose to break free from the abyss and move silently among us. I guess. And then the movie kicks off, and I remember loving that it opens with God of Thunder by the immortal and somewhat silly Kiss. And guess what? I still love that it opened with God of Thunder. Uh, Rob Zombie, he, he can put together a good soundtrack. I'll say that. Even if it's pulling from, even if some of the song choices are a little on the nose, uh, and, and you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. God of Thunder. Mwah, perfect. We're in Haddonfield. And it's Halloween day. We see this kid wearing a clown mask right away. You know, it's Michael. And he wears a clown mask around the house. Uh, and he has a, pl- uh, a, pe- a pet rat. Anybody who has a pet rat, you know, what could possibly, possibly uh, be weird about that at all? I, didn't they make a whole movie about, like, uh, a dude with a pet rat that was a weirdo? And then they remade it with Crispin Glover, Right. So uh, we see downstairs there is a Mr. and a Mrs. William Forsythe, terrific actor, and Sherry Moon Zombie, Rob's wife. 
I'm not sure if she's a good actress. I don't know. There are moments in this where she seems very loving towards Michael. And then there are moments where I feel like the, I don't know if it's the dialogue or her delivery, it just feels not, it feels like I'm watching someone act. You know what I mean? Where it's like you you don't just feel like, wow, they've lost themselves in this. Like it feels like you're watching someone act. And this conversation between William Forsythe and uh, Sherry, uh, Mrs. Myers, I hated it. It was just so like, this is how we're going to show you that there is a, uh, a family uh, with, that has uh, abuse and they're, you know, uh, the, the boyfriend is, uh, um, you know, a jerk and terrible and abusive. And it was just like, I hated their conversation. Uh, and we see he's like commenting on Judith's ass. Like, um, it's, it was just like everything about that scene I thought was terrible. And I thought the acting, I'm going to get you once I get up, I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, you like, I thought it was just bad. And I thought, man, already, I'm already annoyed by this movie. And we're like five seconds in. Uh, we see Michael upstairs. The next scene we see of him is cleaning his hands. He's got blood all over his hands, and uh, we would assume that his rat died. He comes down and says, he's like, my rat died. Oh, we'll get your new one. But we see him, didn't we see him with a knife and then like a little blade? No explanation. But again, I'm saying, I'm, at, one, at one point I'm saying, wait. He explained too much. Now we're seeing... Oh, now I'm saying, oh no, he didn't explain. Okay, so maybe that's, I shouldn't say he didn't explain. We're seeing that this guy, this kid is in this abusive home. Um, I mean, I'm not going to spoil things. His mom's a stripper. His stepdad or boyfriend is a, is a deadbeat. And Judith, she's kind of like a jerk too. Like she wasn't likable. So it's like, wait, are we trying to make, like there was nothing wrong with Judith in the first one. She had her boyfriend over. There was nothing like jerky about her, but... Like the, um, it was just too, I don't know. I didn't love the way she was acting towards Michael. She was kind of a jerk towards Michael too. Um, and, but then there was the third child. Yes. In this movie, there is no, like, um, they're, they, he, they're pulling in definitely the whole idea of Michael having another sister having another, uh, having a younger sibling. They just called her Boo in this baby Boo. Michael's nice to baby Boo. He is not, he's kind of just, he keeps his mask on and doesn't want to be uh, around anyone else. In, except he does love his mom. He loves Boo. He didn't care for anyone else, the other two in the family, which does not bode well for the other two in the family. Uh, we now see Michael at school. And he gets bullied. He's getting bullied by one of the spy kids. This kid actually is a great actor. If you ever see a movie called World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams, it's a very dark comedy. And he's only in it, he's not like, he's in it like towards the beginning, but he's such a prick in it that it is hilarious. He's like so bad that it's good. Uh, and he makes all these comments about Michael's sister and Michael's mom being a stripper. And, um, you know, that uh, she's only in Rob Zombie movies. Okay, I made that part up. But 
like we it, I, I wrote down we have to get this deep dark broken background to show what turned him into him instead of him just being evil like you remember we are um it's just evil for evil's sake that was the whole point i think the first time around so the, there's a principal who comes in he's got weird lips uh he's an old character actor looking guy and i think rob's used him in other movies uh he he's yelling at them to stop because they start fighting and uh michael myers says to him like go f yourself or something like that they bring in the mom to talk about you know to because there's meetings with the parents so mrs myers goes we see this young hippie dr loomis with like he's got longer hair malcolm mcdowell he's brought in they think he should work with michael they find photos uh oh they found a dead cat in michael's bag and his mom's like okay he found a dead cat I'm sorry, that's not weird. Like right away, if I found a dead uh, animal in one of my children's bags, first I'd say, oh my God, I don't have children. Who is this kid? Then I'd say, oh my God, uh, you need to help this kid who I've just met who apparently says I'm his parents. I'm one of his parents. Uh, she's like, Michael loves animals. And this is why I wrote down, is Sherry Moon a bad, zomb a bad zombie? A bad actress? I can't tell, but she might be. So they find all these photos of dead animals and they're like, uh, you know, the thrill of hurting smaller creatures is an early warning sign. And then Michael runs away, uh, runs from his locker. And when that happens, that's the first time we hear the carpenter theme. And it seemed to come out of nowhere, like to see a 10 year old kid with long blonde hair running down the hall. And that's where we get ding, 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 ding. I thought, Really? Uh, Michael runs to his locker and escapes the school uh, as his mom and the doctors are talking. No one notices him gone. Great response. Like, they're all worried about him, and yet he goes and runs out away from them completely uh, without them noticing. And then that's when Tubi cuts to commercial. It's actually, it works out. Uh, I got a nice Charmin commercial. I wrote that down. I don't know why. Now we see one of the bullies leaving school, the, the spy kids bully. He's like uh, a real, he is... Uh, they make him a real piece of shit, like he's bothering these other kids, and uh, he's good at it. This actor is good at it. And you see Michael, little blonde Michael, watching from far away. And, uh, of course, this guy cuts through the woods to go home, and I'm thinking, okay, obviously he's cutting through the woods. This, this is not going to be good. Michael jumps up behind a tree, huzzah, and clobbers him with this giant branch. He's wearing a mask, uh, and he just beats the ever-living hell out of this kid, to the point where the kid's all bloody. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please don't hurt me, please. But Michael keeps bashing him and bashing him. And then we see all these spinning trees, like it's supposed to be artsy or something. Uh, and then I think the guy died. Like I, I rewound him, like, yeah, like he looks like his eyes open, he's dead. Uh, I don't know, it's never mentioned again, but uh, Michael throws away the branch, walks away. So that's our first kill already. Uh, whereas in the first movie, we got uh, Michael killing Judith, you know, a minute into the movie. Uh, our first kill here is uh, that of a spy kid. So back home, uh, stepdad is teasing Michael. Oh, what are you doing what are you, about killing animals? Like, I'm sorry, I would be freaked out. I would not be teasing this kid. Uh, and his, his mom is still, 
she's trying to be sweet to him. You know, tomorrow things are going to change for the better, so you better live it up tonight. And I'm thinking, oh, mom, he will. He will. Like, his mom is so nice while everyone else sucks. Uh, Judith is supposed to take him trick-or-treating, but instead she blows him off to go hang out with a dirtbag upstairs. I'm not, I mean, I don't... I shouldn't say he's a dirtbag. He looks like a dirtbag. I think he's a dirtbag, so I'm going to call him a dirtbag. So I will say he's a dirtbag. Then we get Michael sitting out. Now, this is a weird kind of like uh, montage. Michael's sad because he trick-or-treated alone, and Love Hurts is playing. Great song. This is the the, uh, Nazareth version of Love Hurts. And, you know, he's sad, but it's weird that it's, it's being interspliced, I don't know if that's the right word, with... His mom stripping. And I'm thinking, ew, that's, that's weird. We cut over to uh, or upstairs to Judith. Uh, we get the first of many booby shots in this movie. And her boyfriend is like, wait, I want to try something. And he pulls out of his bag the famous Michael Myers mask. It's provided by Dirtbag Jones. I, don't, I did not remember this at all. Now, in the original, he just found a mask in a store and stole it. There was no, like, reasoning behind it, except that it looked cool. Here, I guess maybe he thinks it looks cool, because right now it's just a, st- a mask that this kid probably bought in the store instead. Uh, so we see Michael, he's sad, he's bored, and even though he has some candy, he goes into the kitchen, he's like, mm, let me grab some duct tape and grab a knife. And I'm thinking, okay, uh... Something bad's going to happen here. Uh, I wrote down, this kid has too much personality. I, I like my Michael to be a blank, empty slate, an empty shell. Uh, so the um, boyfriend comes downstairs. He's drunk. Oh, I'm sorry. William Forsythe is drunk, and uh, he doesn't wake up. Um, as he's sitting on the chair, Michael completely duct takes him to a chair. He's so drunk that he doesn't feel the tape go over his mouth. He doesn't wake up. By the time he does wake up, Michael is sitting over him. He goes, hi, how you doing? I'm Michael Myers. Slits his throat. And now William Forsythe is dead. Boom. Kill count is now at two. Now the boyfriend goes downstairs. Doesn't smell the dead body or notice anything. He just goes and he's making himself a sandwich. And Michael comes up behind him with a uh, aluminum bat. Conk, conks him on the head. And then proceeds to bash him to death. Kill count three. I mean, we are piling these bodies up. In the original Halloween, the original Halloween, there was Judith, the uh, truck driver. Then there was uh, Annie, her boyfriend, uh, or Linda, her boyfriend. Annie, Linda, her boyfriend. Is that it? Five? They don't get anyone else, right? Unless you count the dog. I think. We're already three, and he's still a precocious young child. Uh, Judith is upstairs. She's listening to Don't Fear the Reaper, which is a nice callback to the original. Michael comes in. He, he looks down, and he's like, oh, what's this? Takes off the clown mask and puts on the mask, the mask that is known as the Michael Myers mask. At this point, it's just a mask on the ground. And it looks huge on him, uh, which is kind of funny in a way, uh, and he starts touching Judith, like, softly on her leg, which is a little weird. 
she notices. She's like, what the hell are you doing? She's yelling, hitting him like, what's the matter with you? He's like, I'll show you. Stab. And then he stabs her. And, uh, but she's not dead yet. If she just died there, it would have been like, oh, that's, you know, oh, my God, he did it. He killed his sister. Instead, we have to get a Rob Zombie overly bloody scene. She, um, she gets up and she starts walking down the hall. And Michael starts following him. And he, and this is the first time we get that chase theme, the doom. Dun, 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 dun. And it's like, he looks so weird in this giant mask. And there was some weird shaky effects that seemed like they were added after the effect that I thought was kind of weird. He keeps stabbing and slicing her. And eventually she dies. And we're at kill count four. Michael goes into his baby sister's room, takes off the mask and says, happy birthday, boo. And then he kisses her. Tubi gives me another commercial. And when we come back, uh, Mrs. Myers gets home and Michael's sitting on the front steps with Boo. She's like, Michael, what is going on? Answer me. And then we start to hear police sirens. And from there, we cut uh, over to um, what seems to be like the aftermath of mom finding out. And for some reason, it's in this weird like sepia tone. I don't quite, it wasn't black and white, so I don't quite know why it was this way. But, uh, the mom is freaking out. Now, it took, I said it took uh, Rob Zombie 25 minutes to do what Carpenter did better in three minutes. So we see Sherry Moon freaking out. Oh, uh, there's, there's police there. There's ambulances. There's a reporter there. The reporter says um, that Judith was apparently stabbed 17 times. Now, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. How the hell... Does he know this already? I feel like, you know, did they stop and count all the stab wounds and then leak it to the to this idiot? Like, the, you'd find this out later. You know, someone was killed. Go to the morgue. You'd see all these stab wounds. The reporter, the body's like barely rolled away. And he's like, I think he was like, maybe they, he unzipped it, went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seventeen. All right. The boot, the body of Judith Myers was reported. I don't know if he said Judith Myers. Um, he might have said the names. Again, that seems highly, you know, at least now they'd say a male and a female. Um, we don't know the extent, but he knows, this guy knows exactly, uh, which was kind of weird. Then it fades down to Michael sitting in the back of the car, and this was another what-the-hell moment. Michael just turns and looks right into the camera. I'm like, what? Huh? We cut to Smith's Grove 11 months later. We hear Michael Myers was found guilty of murder in the first degree. Uh, He's 10 years old. Now he was 10 years old, so in that 11 months, he did not have a birthday. Uh, So he's still only 10. We see that... um, Loomis, Dr. Loomis, has been charged by the court to oversee Michael's care. And we see Loomis interviewing Michael, uh, who seems like a sweet, precocious young little lad. He's enjoying a little cup of orange juice. Like, uh, he, he seems like he's happy-go-lucky. And he doesn't, it claims like he doesn't remember what's going on. She's like, do you remember what's going on? Do you remember the costume, the candy? He says he remembers nothing about the murders or the knife. Uh, when his mom goes to visit him, she comes every week. He says, is everyone home okay? Like, he, his claim is that he doesn't remember. And she's like, oh, yeah, everyone home is home is great. 
uh, we see him in his room later, and Danny Trejo's there. He's a custodian who befriends Michael, calls him Mikey, and he's nice to him. He's like, don't, get, let, the, don't let these walls get you down. And Mike, Michael's like, okay, okay. Uh, we get another interview where we see Michael make a mask. He says black is his favorite color. He likes hiding his face. Uh, it says it hides his ugliness. There's a lot of Michael Myers talking here. Um, and he, you know, uh, he's like, I miss you so much. I miss you too. Like he, he gets sad that he's not, that he's there. Like, it seems like he is, it's a little more making him like a normal quote unquote, normal kid who had a, who had some sort of breakdown, a violent breakdown, um, which, you know, you feel bad. He's like, I want to go home. How come I can't go home? Uh, and he's wearing a mask at this point that looks like he's in that terrible band Slipknot. Uh, and he says, you can't, you know, um, you've, you've, you can't, you've done terrible things. And he's crying. And um, she's, at one point, you know, can I please put the mask back on? He, he wants, he always wants to wear a mask now. And they never cut his hair either. I mean, he's an adult. He has long hair. I don't think he said one haircut. Um, the mom brings him a photo of Boo. And um, this is when I wrote, wait, is Boo Laurie Strode? Like, I don't think I figured it out at this point. I think earlier I thought he was a boy. And then I'm like, what an idiot. Of course it's Laurie. I've seen this movie and I already didn't remember. Uh, so at one point, um, Loomis is like, let me walk you out. And we'll leave this nurse here. So that you can kill him, Mike. You can kill her. Michael says, okay. And the nurse is like, uh, okay, I guess. So the nurse is like, I'm going to just sit here with my back turned to you reading the newspaper. I thought, that is dumb. And Michael's like eating his lunch and he's like, wait a second. This fork could be used as a stabbing implement. Like Smith's Grove is just as negligent as it was in 1978. Uh, so Loomis is talking about maybe using shock treatment when all of a sudden you see all these security guides go by in a security camera, you see Michael stabbing the nurse in the neck and mom is freaking out, crying, Michael screaming. And, um, but all we hear are sirens. Um, now we're at a kill count of five already. Michael's a kid and he's already matched. I believe the adult Michael from the original movie. If I'm, if I remember correctly. Uh, so now we see Mrs. Myers. She is watching some home, home movies She's crying and she's sad. And then we see she's holding a gun. And uh, what we don't see, shockingly, uh, we don't see it, Rob Zombie, you know, showing some editing ability, uh, but we hear a bullet. Uh, so she killed herself uh, as we hear a baby crying. I'm not counting that in the kill count, uh, though Michael, you know, is somewhat tangibly responsible. That's like, boom. That's the end of almost like, not chapter one, but that's kind of the end of the childhood. We go to 15 years later. Now, I don't know when this movie is supposed to be. I don't know what year this is supposed to be. I think that the original is supposed to be like 76, 78, because um, God of Thunder came out in 76. Uh, don't Feel the Reaper came out in 76. So... My guess is, is this is around 76, 78, maybe 78 for the original, you know, kind of tying into the original movie. And then 15 years later, we'd be at 91 or 93, but early 90s, because we don't see uh, computers. We don't, 
here internet we don't um talk about i mean this is before social this is really right at the beginning of the of like smartphones and stuff so none of that's in this at all so i'm going to guess this is the early 90s uh and we're not you know i talk about plot point one we're not quite at 30 minutes we're we're a few minutes past it's like 35 minutes but it's kind of you know there's that plot point of the end of act one here we go now with adult michael myers we see danny trejo still there He's a guard now. Uh, the other guard said, you've been working here. He's, oh, he says, you've done all manner of work here. So I guess that explains that he, he does security now. Um, I swore that I thought the other guard was Rob Zombie, but it wasn't. I don't know. So we, we see Michael's room. It's now filled with masks. Uh, and Danny Trejo's like, don't, don't touch that. He does not like when, his, when you touch his mask. And I'm thinking, how many guards has Michael killed? that Danny Trejo knows this. I like that Danny Trejo calls him Mikey, uh, but imagine being an adult and um, people still calling you Mikey. Um, I have a confession to make. A lot of my closest friends still call me Mikey to this day. But I promise you, I have yet to kill, I have never killed a person. I've never killed anything unless you count a bug. Uh, and I never, ever will. That was my vow to you as your podcast, so I'll never kill. Let's see other podcasts make that promise. So uh, Michael is huge, huge. He's 6'9". I looked up the actor is 6'9". He looks massive sitting with Dr. Loomis, and uh, Loomis is he's old now. He's got rid of the long hair. He's biked gray. He tells Michael he's done. He's done all he can. He has to move on. This is his last day. That's me suppressing a yawn. Uh, Michael shows no reaction as he sit, sits behind his mask. Then we cut over to Dr. Loomis, now giving a lecture at a college. Says Dr. Samuel Loomis, author of The Devil's Eyes, the story of Michael Myers. Today, 11 a.m. at Webster Hall. My first thought was, is that Haddonfield University from the previous movie? Um, you know, he he's giving a lecture for some reason i i thought he was like they were going to see lots of books and i had this memory of books being signed i guess not i guess not at all um but he talks about look into these eyes these are the eyes of a psychopath i'm thinking what doctor talks like that what reputable doctor um and i guess now basically you know exploiting michael and lecturing about him and writing books about him is his full-time gig uh, and then we cut to commercial. That's to be for you. And we go, when we come back, we're at Smith's Grove and we see there's four guards there, all Rob Zombie actors that he's used before, Leslie Easterbrook, um, and a bunch of other guys that I all recognize, uh, or at least mostly recognize four guards, all armed. They are, they're told they have to move an inmate. Obviously it's Michael. Uh, Michael's in complete chains and cuffs and I'm assuming leg irons. But, excuse me, you see him ball his fists. Like, uh-oh. He's like Arthur, the aardvark. He's up to something. And it, I don't know what the hell happens. He, like, flexes his arms and the cuffs pop off. I don't know how he did it. But he beats these guys to a, to a bloody pulp. Uh, Leslie Easterbrook tries to stop him, shoots, but ends up shooting another guard. Uh, Michael smooshes her, drags her along, uh, 
and like nobody else notices this. Um, and I guess originally there was a scene where two guards were about to rape a patient and Michael, that's part of Michael's breaking out, but I guess it was too much. Rob Zombie going too far. Are you kidding me? So the, this was kind of made instead of it. Um, but the kill count now is nine. Now I know one of the, one of the, the guards that was killed was shot by friendly fire, but I'm going to say he was still alive. And then maybe Michael gave him one more little twist and Michael was going to kill him anyway. So I'm going to keep that as all four of these guards being killed. Uh, at this point, Machete himself, Danny Trejo showing up for work. There's phone ringing, but nobody is there. We see a rep re receptionist is around the corner and she's bleeding out. And you're like, oh, there's someone else. Kill count 10. And my first thought is, Danny, run. We don't need you there. But instead, he finds two more guards dead and gutted. And I wonder if these guards were those guards from the original. Those were the guards that were, you know, up to, you know, being scumbags. And Michael killed them because I don't remember seeing the other four again. Uh, but... Um, these two are dead now, so that's a kill count of 12. We're at 12. And we're barely, like, he's still in the sanitarium, the, the Smith's Grove, you know, hospital. Uh, and then all of a sudden behind uh, Danny Trejo is Michael. And he's like, hey, Mikey. And he plays a really good, I actually thought of him being scared. Like he wants, he's like, let's put these on you, get you back to your room. He holds these handcuffs and he's shaking. He's like, oh, God, God, God. Like he, you could tell he is frightened. Uh, and I was like, damn, that's that Danny Trejo. Thumbs up with this little performance. Um, and he's freaking out. And Michael, Michael's like, yes, you were good to me. Because he grabs Danny Trejo, starts squeezing him, starts trying to drown him. Uh, and he's like, I was good to you, Mikey, but, um, he's still alive somehow. Like Machete will not go down. So he grabs a TV and he holds it over and he says, welcome to prime time, bitch. And he slams the TV down. He doesn't say that, but you'll hear me say that again someday in the future. Slams down and kills Danny Trejo. Kill count 13. We cut over to Loomis being woken up. Uh, by a call from Dr. Clint Howard. I know that's not his name, but it's Clint Howard. And he's telling him that Michael broke out. Uh, he's, and Lewis is like, oh, no, things are going to be bad. And then, boom, modern-day warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Ba -boom, ba -boom. We get some great rush as we are all of a sudden we're at a truck stop. Uh, there seems to be a car wash there, and the actor Ken Forey, Foray, who I recognize just from being in all kinds of like horror movies, uh, he gets out of his truck. To, he's like a big kind of character. His name is Joe Grizzly. I want there to be a movie about Joe with just Joe Grizzly, uh, but he goes into the bathroom with a porno mag, and Michael shows up at the stall, and he just goes, knocks on the door. Hello, I'd like to. Can I use the poopy? And I don't know why he called it the poop, the pooper. And um, he's like, I'm in here. Keeps on knocking. Hey, man, come on. Keeps on knocking. Finally, Joe Grizzly takes a knife out. He goes and um, he's like, I'm Joe Grizzly and I don't care who you are. Michael's like, oh, yeah? Smash, bing, bang, stab, dead. Kill count 14. Joe Grizzly is gone. And now he's got, He I guess he went for the biggest guy. Joe Grizzly is huge too, I guess, because now... Six nine Michael Myers has his 
giant like trucker. Uh, it, it's a mechanic suit in the original. Well, I guess in the original, it's a tow truck driver. So whatever. He has his outfit. He's changed out of his hospital guard now. And as I said, the kill count is now 14. We cut back to Haddonfield. We get Mr. Sandman, which is another nice homage to the past. And we're back in Haddonfield, and it's Halloween again. And again, it took us 50 minutes to get here, where in the original, it's like, what, 10 minutes? Uh, And most of the way here on out, it's just Halloween. There isn't that many surprises or twists that change things at all. We're at the Strodes. Um, it's kind of weird. I was I was turned off right away by the awkward dialogue of Laurie teasing her mother about the furniture guy being a perv. Uh, I didn't like that, but I did like seeing D. Wallace, of course, uh, Elliot and Gertie's mom, E.T. I like to say E.T.'s mom, but you know. Uh, she's Mrs. Strode. I don't recognize Mr. Strode, uh, but we really do follow the beats of the original. Lori's dad gives her something to drop off, a mail or paperwork or something, at this house that um, he's going to be showing. He's a realtor. She runs into to uh, Tommy, and uh, the kid is like, oh, the kid I like, the kid that plays Tommy, uh, I really like this kid. Uh, he's still acting today. He was on this... Uh, the show with Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore, Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. He was really like he was like a nerdy teen in it. Really good, really good in this. Uh, so we see Michael is in uh, a basement. We actually see that he went home. He rips up a floorboard, and or actually he's not in the basement. He's upstairs, I think. Uh, he rips up a floorboard. He finds a knife. And under that, he finds his old mask that he used when he killed his sister. I'm thinking, okay, uh, so young Michael killed his sister, then took the mask off, hid the mask and a knife, said, I'll be back. And that's when he went outside with, uh, with Boo. Now, 15 years later, nobody has done anything with the house. Um, at least not yet. This guy's trying to. Uh, now, in the Halloween storyline in the future, like the 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 past, uh, Strode sold it to his brother, his drunk brother. Uh, but anyway, that is completely uh, erased in this movie theater, in this movie timeline, and never will be. It's actually erased from anything going forward. Uh, so, uh, Laurie and Tommy drop off the paperwork again. He's like, "Don't go there. That's the boogeyman's house." Uh, but this time, Michael's like right behind the door. Uh, then we see Laurie with her friends. Uh, and I say, welcome back, Danielle Harris. Now, mind you, you're 30 years old playing a teenager, but you pull it off just fine. Uh, and we see Jamie is, uh, oh, Jamie's back. But right now she's playing the sheriff's daughter, Annie Brackett. We, and we all know what happens to Annie in the original. Oh, it's just, we just When you hear she's Annie, you're like, oh, oh, yes. And this is where we see Michael just staring at um, at Laurie from across the street. In the original, it's during a class. This time, it's while the three girls are either in the library or in some kind of room studying. And the girls are planning their night so that Annie can go hang out with Paul. Uh, the other girl, Linda, she mentions, for some reason, she mentions the boiling point of alcohol. And I wrote down, is this going to come back into play? And is this some sort of clunky callback? 
The answer to both of those questions is no. But I wrote it down, so I thought I'd mention it. Uh, we see Loomis talking to some of the other doctors, including Dr. Clint Howard. He's like, I know exactly where he's going. And, Loom, and the doctor's like, how do you know? Like, we don't know where he's going. He goes, yeah, I know exactly where he's going. I can't do a Malcolm McDowell. It's it's British, but he's also got a, just a cool, he's got a cool voice. He just does. Uh, so we see more awkward uh, dialogue brought to you by uh, the writer, Rob Zombie, Linda and Laurie coming out of school. Linda is talking about how she got kicked off the cheerleading squad. It's very awkward writing. Uh, and I said, it's either bad writing, bad acting, or both. Uh, and she mentions that she'll play the squeak, squeak off girl for her dad. Ever since her parents got divorced, she has him wrapped around her fingers. You know, like that's, and it seemed like Laurie was saying this, setting something up. Nothing. Never addressed again. No point for it. Just clunky. Uh, that's when Danielle shows up or I guess Annie shows up and Michael's just watching them from afar. And, uh, this time they yell at him. They're like, get out of here, you freak, whatever. What's he going to do? Uh, we then see a car pulling up and it's Sheriff Brackett, Annie's dad. I wrote down Danielle's dad, Annie's dad, the great Brad Dourif. Uh, I don't know if he's wasted in this movie. He doesn't do a great deal in this movie. Uh, so, you know, they they drive off and Linda's with Lori. She's like, it's kind of a drag having a pig as a dad. And that's when I said, what the hell year is this? Like, who, who says? It just felt dated, that line. Felt very dated. Felt like something Rob Zombie might have said in high school. But it doesn't sound like something these girls would have said in high school. So um, Loomis is over at the gravesite. You know, this happened in the original, and it happened here. Why would Loomis go to the grave? Maybe he, that's his first instinct. Uh, now, you know, in the original, the headstone was taken. This time, there's a dead animal mutilated uh, on the grave. So, of course, it has to be a little crazier. It's got to be zombified than just having the, the headstone taken. Uh, and we're at the hour mark now. Um, it's nighttime. So I don't know if that you consider that plot point too, but we're, it's like, boom, it's time for craziness to go on. Uh, and it's time for Linda and her boyfriend. It's not Paul. It's glasses guy. Uh, they go in the Myers house. They go, why do they go to the Myers house? I guess cause it's empty, I suppose. Uh, but they go there to make sex together, which of course is, um, you know, something Michael does not want to see. Michael's right up on the balcony waiting for them to come in. He's like, please, come in. I don't know why I sound like Dracula now. So uh, they're going at it. And um, we see this shadow in the background. And uh, one of the boyfriends gets sent off, just like in the original, to get a beer. We see a little shot of Michael in the background. Doo-doo-doo. We get Don't Fear the Reaper again. Uh, and Laurie's calling, Linda's calling Laurie, you know, who's, not babysitting yet. She's still with her at her parents' house. Uh, this time, uh, the boyfriend actually was doing the sheet with the glasses joke. And then out of nowhere, Michael grabs him, chokes him, er, pins him up against the wall, stabs him in the exact same way, does the head turn in the exact same way. And we're at kill count at 15 already. My God. So now Michael's in the sheet. 
And Linda's completely got her boobies hanging out like in the original, but she doesn't notice that all of a sudden her boyfriend, this teenage boy, is now a 6'9 giant man. She gets up to grab the beer from him. We get a little butt shot. And then he turns around. She turns around. Michael chokes her to death. You're dead now. Kill count number 16. He takes her naked body away. And uh, we cut over to Loomis with um, the last living monkey, Mike, Mickey Dolenz. He's at a gun shop. And he's like, I need a gun. I need it now. I'm in a hurry. No background checks at all. And like he says he's in a big hurry, which, look, um, this gun owner obviously believes in the Second Amendment and obviously believes in, in uh, the right to bear arms. But when a guy says, come on, give me that gun. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. Do you think that's a little bit suspicious? Maybe just a tad. Uh, and as I said, this is Mickey Dolan's, you know, take the last train to Clarksville, the last living monkey. Uh, now at the time of this filming, all the monkeys were alive, but he's the last monkey standing. So we, I don't know why, it's just like a little stunt casting. We cut over and Lori's actually handing out candy with her mom. She's not babysitting yet, but um, she will be. As she goes, Annie picks her up and uh, they go off to do babysitting. And there's a jump here that I actually, it made me jump and I completely forgot about it. So the parents are outside as, as Lori goes off. Uh, mom goes in, dad's like, huh, looking around. He's like, all right, I'm going to go in. And before he goes in, Michael is right there to grab him, smashes him right into the face and into the house. Uh, and it's at this point we go to commercial. I was like, no, I want to see what happens next. Uh, and I, and I, was, I, I wrote down, I, um, I wasn't expecting all we see. Uh, oh, I was expecting that was all we see. I misspoke. I was expecting bring him in the house and then, oh my God, they're going to, they probably were killed. And then later show the aftermath of them being killed. But no, this is Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie, he's like, subtly be damned. So we go into the house and I think Mr. Strode's already dead. We don't quite see that. Uh, and Mrs. Strode is like, oh no, oh no. And, and Michael attacks her. Then she looks like she's about to die. Then we see her dragging herself away. Michael catches up with her, starts killing her. He sees a photo of Laurie, who obviously is Boo in the original. And um, then I guess she's dead because we hear like a snap. So I guess it's around her neck. So now with those two, it's kill count of 18. My goodness gracious. Now we see Laurie's babysitting Tommy, who's still asking about the boogeyman. Annie calls over. Says she'll be over soon with Lindsay. Uh, and while she's saying that, Michael's in the background while she's on the phone. So, uh, oh, Lindsay's, Lindsay is watching TV. Michael's standing right there. Nobody notices anything. Um, while that's going on, Loomis is with Sheriff Brackett. They're at a place called Haddonfield Burger. He's like, I'm telling you, Sheriff, evil is here. And uh, Brackett doesn't believe him, but he's like, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't really think it's serious. He's like, come on, dude, what are you talking about? Uh, we cut back over, and now Lindsay and Annie are going over to uh, to see Tommy at, at, at Tommy Doyle's house. Uh, and Lindsay is kind of a little brat. Uh, we go inside, and then <laughs> this is some dated, this is some dated uh, writing right here. And he says, you know, Lori, you should go hang out. You should go out with Ben Tramer. And Lori says, I thought you said he's retarded. She says, yeah, but he's not short bus retarded. I'm like, I wrote down killer dialogue, Rob. Like really, really good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so 
Paul then shows up and Annie and Paul head off. Where do they go? Because they end up being, they drive off, but then I, they end up being right across the street. Maybe they go off to get beer or something. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Uh, so brackets with Loomis. He says, I read your book, blah, blah, blah. I don't really believe you. Um, but Loomis thinks he's back for his baby sister. And uh, they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, why? He goes, I don't know. The, act, the, one, the one person he actually liked, his baby sister. Uh, Brackett makes a call. He's like, I'm going to make a call now and break a trust I never thought I'd do. He calls over to the Strodes, and that's where we see them all dead. Now, I think it would have been better if Michael went in, closed, you know, went in with the dad, didn't see anything, nothing. And then we see the, the dead Strodes in the picture of Lori. I think that would have been a little more effective. But again, that's just me. Uh, so he's like, no one's answering. Brackett's like, all right, let's go. Let's head over. Tommy is still talking about the boogeyman. We cut over to Annie and Paul, and uh, they're about to get on with, you know, sex sex doing as well. Uh, and it just feels weird. Annie has her top off, and she's like topless for the next, for the rest of the movie for her. And I was like, she was just young Jamie just a few weeks ago for me, but it's like, Okay, I guess if Jamie can come back as a different actress, Danielle can come back as a different character. But um, while this is going on, while the kissy kissy is going on, um, there's a song playing that I absolutely adore. It's an Alice Cooper song. It's called Only Women Bleed. Now, you hear the title, Only Women Bleed. You think uh, it's like this sarcastic, I guess, choice because... This woman's about to bleed. Um, but the actual song is like really kind of sad about a woman suffering in an abusive relationship. And it's it's beautiful and sad, and I love it. And it's kind of, it's a ballad. It's Alice Cooper. It's just, it's a great song. Um, used here, it's like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it. But hey, Rob and uh, Alice are going on tour, right? So they're, they're friends. Uh, so... Michael's right there while they're getting all kissy-kissy. He grabs Paul, stabs him, kills him. Boom, we're now at kill 19. Uh, and now we get what I wrote is the most uncomfortable, cringy scene, gratuitous scene. It's it's just, I don't like it at all. Uh, Danielle's running around, topless, Annie. Michael slaps her, and then he drags her, and she's crying. And, you know, she's trying to get away. Michael pulls her back, screaming. It's just... Very yuck. Actually, I thought she did a good job, but it's just, I don't know. It's too, it, like, what's the, uh, exploitive, violent, crude, just too much. I was like, ooh, I don't like this. Uh, meanwhile, her dad, Brackett, is in the car with Loomis. They And he talks about responding to Mrs. Meyer's suicide. He said he sees his baby here. And he's like, oh, my God. He leaves the baby out of the report altogether. Now... That's weird because, like, there's records of her having a baby. So I don't know how that would have worked. But he takes the kid, the baby, drops it off at a neighboring town's ER, figuring that's the end of it. Three months later, he finds out that his friend, the Strodes, adopted that baby. That actually kind of closes a tiny little plot hole where, you know, it isn't a plot hole. It isn't a plot hole. I was going to call it a plot hole. It's only a plot hole when they decided to do the sister thing. See, in the original movie, it's not a plot hole. 
because Laurie Strode is not his sister. Uh, because you think, why would the sister be adopted in the same town where this guy, like, why wouldn't they get her out of town? And Brackett did in this, he tried to in this movie, but, uh, you know, it was like a boomerang and she came right back. So we jump over to Laurie, now bringing Lindsay back to her home. Uh, they open the door and they're like, you better be decent. I don't know why. I guess they gave them enough time to do whoopee. And they see Paul strung up with a pumpkin on his head and Annie half naked, covered in blood on the ground, but still alive. And that's what I didn't remember. I just assumed that Annie died a brutal death, uh, but she doesn't die at all. She lives. So Laurie freaks out. Uh, you know, she's like, get, Lindsay, get out of here. Sends her back home. Uh, you know, call the police. Then she's like, I'm going to, the kid runs off screaming. Then Annie says she's going to call the police too, even though she tells Lindsay to. Uh, the door closes and Michael's right there while Annie, while Laurie's calling the police. Uh, he doesn't go after Laurie. He goes right past Annie and he sees dead Paul just hanging there. He doesn't go, he doesn't kill Annie either. I don't know. Maybe he thought, oh, Laurie cares about her. So maybe I care about her. I don't know. Uh, but Brackus, Bracken and Loomis are now 10 minutes away when they hear the call coming in. And they're like, oh, my God. We get a commercial. And then, oh, wait. Then Michael grabs Lori. But I still, I'm still not convinced he's going to do anything to her at this point. Because this is Boo. This is the person he's been trying to attack down. So um, she smashes through a doorway. She gets away. She runs home. Tommy, let me in. Tommy, let me in. Lindsay and Tommy, they run upstairs. They go and they hide in a bathtub. Thank God the cops show up. They're like, can we come in? Can we come in? Hello, is there, are you guys in there? Can we come in? Um, they're like, the door's locked. Uh, and he's, they're like, yeah, I guess so. Is he still out there? He's like, uh, there's nobody out here. He's like, oh, okay. She goes to unlock the door. And then boom, the, do the, the cop gets smushed up against the door, blood everywhere. Uh, the cop is dead. Kill count number 20. This other cop comes in with his gun raised. He shoots Michael once. But Michael um, is like, ouch, you shot me. Big, big deal. Goes over, kills this guy, dead. Kill count 21. Michael then grabs Laurie from the two kids. The two kids, he doesn't care about them. Remember in the original, he does not kill children. Um, and in this version, he only killed, well, he killed uh, this bully and his older sister. But hey, teens, teens, but not kids. Uh, so... Uh, Bracken and Loomis show up, of course, just in time. Bracken finds his daughter bloody and half naked, but alive. Uh, and I actually felt, I was like, oh, he's like, oh, Annie, oh. And she's like, that was the two best acting right there, the two of them, uh, except for Danny Trejo's acting, frightened. So Lindsay uh, and Tommy tell Loomis, Michael took her, Michael took her. So no one's looking. He goes, he takes the police car and he goes after them while Bracken stays with his daughter. And then I wrote down, Lori, Linda, Lindsay, and Loomis. There are so many L names in this movie. And in the original, too, all those characters, Lori, Lindsay, Loomis, and uh, Linda. So Lori wakes up to find uh, she's with Linda's naked body, and there's the Myers headstone there. And that's, of course, reminiscent of the original. And Michael walks in. This is where I think, I don't know if this is, this is what I thought was going to happen with Jamie in the original, where he didn't want to kill her. 
He just wanted to be with her or wanted to, to be with it, not be with it. Well, I guess in the curse, there's, there's that. Oh my goodness. This, this is such a odd, like take. There's so many things going on in these movies. Uh, but she says, who are you? What do you want? He drops the knife. He gets down. He takes the photo out to show her. He sees the him and the baby. I don't think I disliked this because we saw, we saw there was a connection always with them. Now, mind you, the original, he's just evil, so he doesn't care about these connections. But in this, there is a connection. So I don't mind this uh, at all. Now, she's confused. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. But she's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. She sees the knife. She's like, she's pretending to go on with it. Michael takes off his mask and just sits there. She's like, I want to help you. I really want to help you. I really want to. Here's the knife. Stab. Stabs him right in the shoulder. Uh, she trying to get out, but it, she's, it's like locked everywhere. She breaks through, uh, gets out of one room before Michael gets up, which, which, which he does with the knife in him. So he has his weapon. He's like, all right, ready to go. <laughs> Takes the knife out, puts the mask back on. He's like, well, I'm done being a nice brother. I'm coming after you. We get the chase theme, uh, and like she's in the next room. Michael's smashing walls, trying to get to her. Uh, Michael, I wrote, now she's outside. Michael slowly follow, follows her. She falls into an empty pool, and I do remember the pool. Uh, and I thought that was a kind of a cool idea, like trapped in an empty pool with the killer just standing there. And there's really no way for you to just quickly get out of a pool. Uh, Michael emerges from the bulkhead, and he goes to get in the pool. That's when Loomis shows up. I guess this pool is in the Myers house. I don't remember there being a pool in the backyard, but there was. So he must have known to go back there. Uh, he's like, stop, Michael, stop. He doesn't stop. Boom, shoots him. Stop, shoots him again. Stop, shoots him thrice. Michael finally goes down. And Loomis says, it's okay. You're safe. Takes her back to the car, puts the gun in his pocket. He's like, I don't need this anymore. Um, stops to, you know, stops to contemplate for a moment. Then he gets in the car himself and she says, was that the boogeyman? And he says, as a matter of fact, I do believe it was. And of course, that's when the original movie ended. But this is Rob Zombie. And I kind of like this, that, um, this is kind of like a little misdirect. Because it's like, you think it's going to be, it might be over now. You don't think Michael's dead there, right? But smash, the window smashes. And I don't know if he smashed it the same way that Michael did in the original movie. I, I think he should have said, when she goes, was that the boogeyman? He just said, as a matter of fact, that's your brother. What? Uh, and that would have been crazy. But at this point, Laurie has no idea what's going on. So um, she smashes the cop car. He takes Laurie back outside. Uh Loomis says, it's not her fault, it's my fault. And then he throws Laurie aside, grabs Loomis, uh, squeezes his head, squeezes him to death, right? Like, I wasn't sure if he dies here, and I don't know if he dies. You know what? Let's look up um, Halloween 2, 2012, is it? Oh, 2009. Is Malcolm... Oh, he's in it again. So he doesn't kill him. So I'm not counting it. It made it look like he might have killed him. But um, Loomis. Trying to kill him. Okay, yeah. So that's not... So 21. 
We're at 21. Uh, that is where the killing ends. I so Spoiler alert, Laurie is going to be okay. So um, Laurie goes and hides. In some place, Michael drags Loomis along, but leaves him. Uh, I thought he was dead, but it was kind of cool. Michael starts smashing all these walls. Then uh, she sees Loomis's gun. She grabs it. Um, she starts... Oh, she, somehow she's in a crawl space. I don't know how she got up there, but Michael's taking this two by four and he's smashing it into the ceiling. Kind of a cool visual. Smashing through. She falls into another room. She's still holding the gun. Uh, Michael's standing right there. She points the gun at him. He drops his little two by four, charges her. They both go tumbling uh, over a balcony and um, she wakes up on top of him. She gets up and she slowly grabs the gun. And you kind of hear cop sirens in the background. She's like, whoa. She stands over him, and she's holding the gun, and she pulls the trigger. Click. Pulls the trigger again. Click. 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 He grabs her, and just one more time, she pulls the trigger. The gun fires. She screams. The Carpenter theme plays. We see a quick shot of young Michael holding baby Boo, and then the end. And the first credit says, In Memory of Mustafa Akkard. Uh, and we see produced by Malik Akkard. Uh, we get some clips, some credits of o- old home movies of Michael and Mrs. Myers. And then the movie ends and goes to credits. Uh, I wrote down, Bracket was kind of useless. It was violent for violence's sake. I wanted to know what Carpenter thought of it. I told you. Uh, some clumsy dialogue. And another thing I didn't really like which you'd think maybe I would have, is the music. It was like the exact music from the original. It wasn't redone. Like I mean, I'm, I guess I'm glad it, it wasn't a Rob Zombie version of but I guess I would have liked something to make it its own. You know, like, oh, this is, you know, its own. this is this version of it. Maybe it was, what I heard was the original theme, the chase theme, all the all the beats that were taken from the classic were just reusing that music or a rever, a remade version of that music, pretty exact to the original, as far as I could tell. Um, not, I enjoyed it a lot less than I thought it would, but it's definitely you know I don't it's not the worst, it's not the worst. I've I've seen worse already. And I think I'll see worse ahead of me. Um, but this, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I remembered I did. Uh, there were things that just made me, you know, get annoyed. But still, you know, not like, not a, you know, some of these movies feel almost incompetent. Not this. Uh, you know, Rob Zombie can make a movie. I don't agree with some of the stylistic uh, grit, grittiness or gratuitousness. Uh, the some of the the dialogue was just awkward, and again, it could be the actors because when they were good actors, it wasn't as bad. So it might be the actors, uh, you know, to blame. Um, but all in all, not a fun movie. I mean, at least like the last movie was not good. But they tried to have some fun with the idea of things. 
I know in future franchises, there are movies where I am almost smiling with how much fun they are. That was not the case with this. Uh, so I, I haven't like been giving rankings or anything. Maybe at the end I'll, I'll rank all 12 movies um, or is it 13 movies. Oh my God, this is the ninth one. Yeah, 13 movies. Uh, but as of right now, you know, when I'm talking about it, again, thinking about it, I'm thinking it's not terrible, but uh, I wouldn't watch this one again. I've watched it a second time, and I think I'm done watching it. Uh, and that's it. I think I've covered this Friday. Uh, so, my friends, I want to tell you, besides Slash... I have another thing going on all month long at fansnotexperts.com. I've mentioned it before. It's Marchie McFly over at Geek Mentality. That is my my uh, home base for for you know podcast miniseries that I do. Uh, I do Christmas podcast, movie podcast, Batman, Superman, and uh, this is a Back to the Future special. I'll be watching Back to the Future three all month long. Thirty one days of Back to the Future three, thirty one podcasts in thirty one days. Uh, and I'll still be doing this every Friday as well. This is, um, remember I mentioned not having kids. This, this allows you to, 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 you know, uh, to have the time to do these kind of podcasts when your wife is already asleep and you stay up much later than her to, uh, do silly recordings and, uh, have fun online, uh, watching crazy movies. Um, yeah. So I want to thank you guys for finding the show, uh, for the, all the YouTube comments, um, for any iTunes reviews that you, that may be there already and may be coming in the future. If you do listen through, uh, iTunes, Apple podcasts, whatever they call it now, if you could give a star, one star, two stars, I don't care just to show me you're there. I would prefer five stars, but if you could give me a review and a rating, it would just help more people find the show if you want them to, unless you want this to be our little secret. If you're on Spotify, uh, th there is a star rating, just, you know, maybe a couple stars, maybe there. I'm begging, I'm begging you, please. And if you're on uh, iTunes, if you're on YouTube, uh, smash that, <laughs> is that what they say? Smash that subscribe button and the alert bell or something. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out YouTube and uh, the little thumb little thumb but I, I think what I like is I actually get people commenting on YouTube so that it just kind of opens up uh, a whole new lane for people finding the show and I don't know how many people watch watch long form videos like this on YouTube but if you do I thoroughly appreciate um, you and even if you watch for a few minutes I thank you and hopefully the photo of me looking like I'm you know dying smoking a cigarette uh, is enough to get you to start watching it and then you thought wait this guy's incredible. Let me continue watching for 90 minutes. Uh, now, I'll be back again next Friday to continue our two-week uh, Rob Zombie retrospective before we go off many years into the future for our final trilogy of Halloween. But that's not the end of Slash. That's just the end of season one of Slash. But that's many, many weeks away. For now, uh, thank you for listening and for subscribing. You can find me on Twitter at Geek Mentality. You can find the show on Twitter at Slash Horror. And you can find me on Instagram at Geek Mentality. 
And everything, every episode of Slash and every other podcast I do can be found at fansnotexperts.com. Thank you once again for listening, for watching, for subscribing, for following. However it is you're finding me, thank you so much. I will see you next Friday. And until then, my friends, remember, say it with me, it's fun to be scared. Wee! See, it's a fake cigarette. Boom. Bye. Fans not experts.